Welcome to the Huddled McFumble Podcast, a place where we come together to talk football, stats, fantasy, and sometimes we just drop the ball with your hosts, Magic Mike and the captain. Episode three of the Huddle McFumble podcast is here. We're coming to you live from our studio in Nashville, Tennessee. This is your captain, Matthew Sharp. I'll be your official guide as we dive into the world of the NFL, fantasy football, and everything in between. I'm joined by my co-host, the amazing Magic Mike Najati. Mike, episode three. How are you feeling today? I am feeling awesome, Matt. Coaching matters. Coaching That's the matters. topic. That we're going to dive into today. Absolutely. Uh, not necessarily the most sexy, but I think once we, we uh, kind of jump into it's it's actually really interesting. Yeah, there's some really fascinating kind of storylines and things to kind of talk about um, with coaching. Absolutely. But before we get into any of that, we have to talk about our sponsor. Today's sponsor is Man Escapes Room, the world's first escape room only for men. Mike, have you ever wanted to just get away and have a couple hours out with the boys with no distractions and no ladies. Why not just grab a group of your guy friends together and do an escape room at the Man Escape Rooms? Basically, it's just a room full of TVs playing sports, and you can just hang out, have a few beers, watch the game with no distractions. And when the game is done, you just punch in the final score into the keypad on the door, it unlocks, and you're free to go. You win. It's a great time. We should do it sometime. We should, Matt. It's um, it reminds me of the episode of uh, Married with Children, when Al Bundy had the club, but no man's club. Yes, <laughs> kind of like, like that. The no man's club, but don't don't get this uh, confused with um, the male grooming company. That's right. Yeah, this is man man's escape rooms. That's man's <laughs> escape rooms. Just so we know. Oh, buddy. Oh yeah, we don't want to get any legal troubles. So. <laughs> All right, Magic Mike, why don't we get this thing started? Ron, why don't you kick off episode three? A big thanks to this episode's sponsor. Let's get this show started with news from around the NFL. All right, Ron, thank you so much. News and notes, buddy. This is one of my favorite times uh, of our podcast. I like talking about stuff that's going on in the NFL. The first one is uh, OBJ is holding workouts for teams around the league. Uh, what do you what do you think about that? Where do you think he's going to sign? Do you think he's going to be a player that actually affects a team and and how they're going to do uh, throughout the year? You know, Matt, I, I don't know. I think I think I'm the the ship has kind of sailed for OBJ. I don't know. Not to say that I don't think he'll be productive. Yeah, I don't think but, he's going to be the. But OBJ he's not a hold. difference maker. Yeah, he's not going to be a difference maker. He's going to be a. He's going to be a guy that goes into a team that is, kind of making a you know making a charge needs just needs one more weapon kind of thing, exactly what like the Rams had. Hey, what, before what he got hurt, him. he was he yeah. was the MVP of that game. Yeah, for sure. So, so. that that's the kind of role that, you know, you're going to see him go into. I just don't know what how many teams are out there that are. I can need somebody like that, right? And definitely, I think, from a fantasy perspective. Right. Um, unless he gets in, like, if he went to the Chiefs, ah, yeah. it'd be hard to say that he isn't going to be somewhat productive there. I think he could be... Well, it, it all just depends on his health, I think. What, I think any receiver is going to be very productive I with the so. Chiefs. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. 
I, uh, I, I think so. Um, and but we also have some some breaking news, Mike. Adam Thielen has been released after nine years from the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard that there's this was coming. I'm so a little not, I'm a little surprised. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, it all I'm depends not. on his. I don't know what his cap number is. Yeah, and and if that's because they also cut Eric Kendrick, right? Uh, right. And he was really good last year. So I think they're trying to bring down um, and, and get under the cap. But for a number two, he works well with Cousins. Um, their offense was really good last year. And he wasn't the Adam of old, but uh, I still think he can be a very productive number two. And from, from all accounts, he is an absolute phenomenal teammate. And But again, he, here's <coughs> another guy that I would put in in the same category as OBJ. Um, he's that ship has kind of sailed from him being a super productive fantasy producer. Right. He's going to go to a team that, again, very similarly needs somebody to kind of just put them over the top, give them one more weapon. Um, so, you know, I love Adam Thielen. I think he's a great player for a guy that was undrafted. Undrafted free agent. Unbelievable career. That's, so a, that's a topic we're going to dive into at some point. Um, but. But he, uh, for a guy, if you ever listen to his story about how he even got into the NFL, it's quite interesting, um, having to do regional combines and coming from, uh, I believe he came from Minnesota. <clears throat> he played for a college in Minnesota. Um, and to be able to show out and be invited to the next level. He never got to go to the NFL combine, combine. but he, he went to some lower, lower ones and then to uh, make the team. And he was a beast a few years ago yeah uh, i love his story and i think he's a great player I, I you know i think he's he would definitely be somebody if i was a gm of a team that was in a playoff hunt and just needed just one extra kind of he would i would pick him over obj i was just gonna say who would you for take sure. he's for been sure. healthy yeah um and he's a bigger guy his so the difference with obj is that he's a speed guy in his prime he was just blasting through uh, great route runner, but very, very fast. And he's had knee issues, so has that left him? I don't think that Thielen is that type of player. He's a big guy. He's a red, uh, red zone threat. So I think I agree. I'd, I'd rather have Thielen at this point, too. Um, next thing uh, coming up is uh, all this news. we got some quarterbacks to talk about. Uh, yeah. We talked about this last episode. Aaron Rodgers. A lot of momentum coming up on him going to the Jets. I think it's going to happen. As a Packer fan, I'm really hoping it does. I think it's going to happen. <clears throat> and it's it's really ironic, actually, because if you look at the the parallel of his career and Favre, it's like pretty crazy. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. And to think that there's a real good chance, because I, I heard yesterday that the Jets have have already made the off- ready trade offer. Yeah. They have a contract. They're ready for the contract. All they're waiting for is Rodgers to make a decision. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy how he's kind of following right down Favre, the path that Favre went down. And the, the Jets right now are the longest, they have the longest streak of a team not making playoffs, I believe it's 15 years. 12. 12 years. <clears throat> and uh, they have a, a really good team outside of quarterback. So I think they're right now, but, they're just feeling the desperation yeah. of being in New York, being the little brother team in New York. And yep. they're just like, we just got to have somebody and Hackett's on the team. And I think they're, they're not necessarily looking at it through um, the eyes of somebody who's like making a, it's like they're a little drunk. <laughs> they're making yeah. a decision, but it's not, they're not looking at it through clear, clear eyes. No, because it makes no sense. He, he does not fit that 
system, that organization at all. Yeah. He's not a guy that works well with young players. The Jets are loaded with young guys. Yeah. So if it was three, four years ago, I'd be like, okay, yeah. But definitely I don't, I mean, I'm happy because from what I've heard, the contract as well is they are going to take some of the, the, it's going to be players or uh, it could be a players and picks. I've heard possibly it could be Elijah Moore, which I would love. Oh. I mean, he's distru- disgruntled right now anyways. Right. He would instantly become a very good slot guy for the Packers and for Jordan Love. But um, they're also talking that they're going to take some of the the cap hit. So they would yeah. take some of his salary, which I think is the biggest thing. Like it's $60 million. Yeah, it's $59 million. <clears throat> if that opens it up, that means that they can sign players who either can help the team or – not lose players yeah. that they could lose because there's some other guys on that team that are really good players. You don't want to lose them, right? So I, I'm I am on the edge of my seat. They say in the next couple of days he's probably going to make a decision, and I am excited. Even if you know what, I wish him all the best if he goes. And if they win a Super Bowl, amazing. If he pulls, they're not though. If he pulls a Brady though, and they win, amazing. I'm as yeah. a Packer fan. I'm not going to be bitter about that. I have a feeling he's going to be bitter. He just he seems like the type of guy. I thought. I mean, Favre was bitter. I, he's he seems like he would be way more oh, bitter yeah. over this kind of stuff. So yeah, it's yeah. It, the the interesting thing too is, it, for me, the division he's going to go into. They're not going to be the best team. Buffalo is the best team in that division still. Right. You still have the Patriots to contend with. Yeah. And Miami. now now they have Bill O'Brien as the OC, so you know Mac could you know do. Better than he did last year. That was a disaster. And and you got Miami. Like that, it's not a shoe in. And, and you're going to the AFC. AFC. That's the bigger one. Like yeah. I don't understand it. Um, <laughs> you can win the division and still be done. But yeah, I, I I think it's a it's a bad move for the Jets. It's it clearly shows they're a desperate desperate yes. franchise. But I think it's great for the Packers. I think, I think great. Yeah, and I'm excited. I, again, we, we should. Uh, come back to this one year from now, but I'm, I'm excited to just see what they have in love and I'm, I'm just ready to move on. Uh, I, I love Aaron Rodgers and everything he's done for the Packers, but it's time. So the other uh, quarterback in the news, uh, it's kind of a, it's funny as a Packer fan and, and you being a Ravens fan, uh, we're going through this, but what's going on with Lamar? Are teams colluding to not no, sign him? No, it's nonsense. I cannot. 100%. I, I cannot 100% believe are. all the nonsense about all 100%. the collusion. It's not a collusion. It's a conclusion. Like, you can't give anybody. I think we need to look up the definition of collusion yeah, and like, understand that it's, I 100% believe that uh, the teams in the NFL whether they all got on a phone call, I don't think they necessarily got on a phone call together, but I think there's an understanding. I, I we think, are not signing okay. this guy to a fully um, guaranteed contract like the Deshaun one. But I, I think it goes deeper than that, Matt. I don't think that they got all on a phone call together and said, "Hey, well, no one should, no one signed Lamar Jackson." I think what happened is the moment Deshaun signed that deal, yes. All the GMs just said, this is absolutely insane. We cannot go down. But is that not collusion, though? If all of the teams are saying the same thing, I'm not saying it's a collusion in in a negative way. But here's the other thing. I'm a Ravens fan, and you and I have had this discussion about Lamar a number of times. Yes. I've never been a huge fan of the way that he plays. Because it's not, it doesn't last. And that's my biggest knock on the guy. 
he, last two years, he hasn't been healthy. Right. So, you okay, Lamar, you guarantee that you're going to be on the field for full, full seasons for the next five years. Yes. And we'll guarantee you that money. But he can't do that. Right? And it just, it blows my mind how... Every the media and players are jumping on board, and you know Lamar's the collusion, and everyone should be you know up and down. It's like get come on. So let me let, let me just uh, let me just give you this. This is the definition of collusion: a secret agreement or cooperation, especially for an illegal or deceitful purpose. So I don't think it's illegal. Nope, although, it's not deceitful. That could be argued, but it's a secret agreement. I think that there's de- there's definitely between the owners. There's a wink, wink, nod, nod to to go. You know, if we don't, and I and I don't necessarily disagree with it because the problem is this: if he gets a contract that's two hundred and some odd million dollars guaranteed, it puts every team in a position where they're like, "What's going to happen with Joe Burrow? He's going to want three hundred million guaranteed. The next one's going to be it, it, so." It, there's no way that this can happen. It's. It, this is not a reflection on Lamar. Mm-hmm. It's just pure business. 100%. It does not make You can't any put that sense. much money into one player. And, and, okay, suppose they give him that money. That's going to put the team in cap hell for the next five years. They can't sign people yeah. and they can't bring in people that to make Lamar even more successful. And he's not a quarterback who's going to lift up his receivers. Like, even when he had the MVP season, what happened? What did that right. produce? What did that mean? Nothing for the team. It was great for Lamar, but for the team, they, they got knocked out the first game of the playoffs. Yeah. So, you know, and, and to, to top it all off, is he a guy that's going to beat out Burrow? Mahomes, mm-hmm. Herbert, Lawrence now. You got Russ in the AFC. Talks about Aaron Rodgers going to the AFC. If the, if he can't stay healthy, the Ravens aren't going anywhere. Well, the other thing we, we haven't talked about, too, is the Ravens. is They've had two years to sign him to a long-term contract. Yeah, they've been and trying. as a guy who he represents himself, his mother and him, he has no agent. Right. Um, we, we don't know what things are like behind the door, closed doors. And yeah. the, the Ravens may be just like, you know what? We're as, as nice a guy as he comes off. We don't know what he's like behind closed doors. And they can be like, we're just done dealing with this. Yeah. You know? and, and you know what? As the, I think the organization has proved over the years that they are as good of run organization as there is in the NFL. I agree. They have always treated their players. Well, they've, you know, they built for crying out loud. They built their whole offense, and they did everything around Lamar for the last five years. So, I don't think there's very many organizations that would commit to that the way that the Ravens did, because they went all in as soon as they drafted Lamar and he started to play. Right. So they built it. Yeah, they, they they. That's an interesting point too, is because they they um they fired the head uh, the offensive coordinator who created an offense that was built around his skill set. Right. Moving forward, I think it's a different story. I don't think comparing Deshaun and him are, it's a fair comparison. They're they're two totally different kind of quarterbacks. Well, Deshaun can run. Deshaun's a pocket quarterback. He's a passing quarterback. You could, I don't have any question, unless he flames out, that Deshaun is going to be in the NFL in five years. He will, he'll be a starting quarterback somewhere. Yeah. I'm not sure 
if Lamar will even be in the league. Yeah. Right. See, again, uh, I'm just going to say to that, too. Like, I I would give I'd have no problems giving Mahomes a guaranteed contract. Yeah. I'd have no problems giving Burrow a guaranteed contract. But the way that Lamar plays, it's not conducive to a healthy quarterback on a roster. It's just not. Yeah. And you know what? I, I would rather, I, as a Ravens fan, I would rather them get the two first-round picks, suck this year. That's fine. There's two great quarterbacks coming out on next year's call. Yeah. draft. Yeah. And rebuild. I, I mean, I know the organization can rebuild because they've done it. They draft really well. Yeah. So, now, yeah. I'm, to be I'm, fair, they haven't. They've never. Uh, they haven't been great at drafting quarterbacks or receivers. They've for some reason they struggle. All with about that. defense. So, but, yeah, I'm. I'm kind of frustrated with Lamar too. I, I think it's this has dragged on for two years now. Yeah. And I'm ready to. I'd be happy. I'm fine if they move on with him. Yeah. Without him. Yeah. So we have uh, another piece of news, Mike. That Daniel. We talked about this last episode. So Daniel Jones manipulated his way into getting a ridiculous contract. One was it four years, one sixty, mm-hmm. and this is after another piece of news is Geno Smith getting his hundred million dollar contract. Now, if you're going to compare the two for me, at least based on last year, Geno blew him out of the water. I can't. I have no idea. I think the 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 Geno Smith one, um, somewhat reasonable. Uh, is, was his a four year? Three year, I think. Three year. Uh, he has. Ex- more experience and and yes it was only a one year but he had been with the Seahawks for quite a while they knew what they had in him right and he turned a team that people thought were going to be was going to be terrible into a playoff contention team uh now there's there other are factors a in that. they are a playoff team but i mean like part of that is they had an amazing draft too but um they put him in a position to uh play very very well they gave him everything he needed to have success and and i think it's fair to say that they honored that by giving him a long-term mm-hmm. contract. The the Daniel Jones thing I'm, still makes no sense to no, me. No, none. No, it, it, you know what? <clears throat> Good for the Giants. You just um, you just capped yourself for the next four years of with mediocre winning. quarterback play. He's a subpar quarterback that is getting paid top dollar. Yeah, and there's history of in the NFL of teams that just don't do well when they, when they pull a stunt like that. Yeah. And I, I have a feeling uh, every year there seems to be like uh, a team in that division, at least. I think the Eagles are, are the clear best team in that For division. Sure. But I have a feeling that the Giants, after showing a lot of promise this past year, they went, what, 10 and 7? I think Whatever so. they were, they yeah. were, a, I, don't a, a, I mean, the coach won coach of the year. I would not be shocked if they completely implode and he's fired by the end of the year because they did terrible. I just I cannot see this team. They yeah. have no receivers. They have Saquon Barkley, who they franchised. Who knows what that's going to do with him? You know, is he going to play on a franchise? I don't know. But um, yeah, they, I, they I, just have nothing there for him to have success. I don't. I don't think he's going to get fired. I definitely can see them imploding this year, and they're going to be yeah stuck. Um, they won't be, but yeah, I, I, I can't see him getting fired, but yeah, it's just, that was just a terrible, terrible thing. Like I'm hearing now rumors that Matt Stafford is available in a trade. I'd much rather have a Stafford oh, on my team than a Daniel Jones. Yeah, I agree. 
um, yeah. So and Derek Carr also got signed as well. So that yes. was a, that was another guy. Yes. Um, again, very team friendly deal, I think. And if you look at it, he's going to be a steal for sure. He's the best division. He's the best quarterback in that division by far. Yeah, and I um, think uh, he got a bum rap in that whole thing that happened. Yeah, and I think he's a quality, quality quarterback. I, he might not be, you know, top five, but he can win you games. He's he he has everything you need to be a a solid team. So he's like you know, if you're going to put Geno Smith in that same guy, he's up there. So <clears throat> I'd rather have him than Geno Smith. But yeah, uh, I think he's going to do well. I think the biggest, probably the only reason why they did that, um, the Daniel Jones thing, is they at least they won't have chaos at quarterback. Yes. Right. Uh, yes, he's a he's a subpar average quarterback at best, but at least <clears throat> they know for the next three or four years that he's going to be there. And I I think uh, again going back to ownership. I think the the owners fall in love with the, the with the Giants. They fall in love with the, the quarterbacks that they drafted. Eli was another one that I think yeah. was there for way too long, and they but they loved him, and yeah. so they let him go well past his prime, uh, and to be able to continue to quarterback there before yeah. coming up with Plan B. And I think that it's the same thing with I, I think that the ownership really really like him, and, but he's just not. He's, he's not, not a worth he's not a caliber. No, he's he may be a starting quarterback, but he's not a hundred and sixty million dollar quarterback. I just no. I can't buy it. So, no, I agree with you. I agree with you there. All right, we are going into our next segment, getting into the uh, the coaching uh, ranks here. So the the topic for today, the focus of of uh, the topic for today, is is coaching, coaching trees. Does coaching matter? Um, in today's age, is it different um, now as it was earlier on in mm-hmm. the NFL? Is it different in college? So the question right now, or the, the topic right now is coaching trees. We were diving in. We were actually just sitting down having a coffee talking about coaching, and the topic of coaching trees came up. It's quite fascinating how players get hired on as, uh, they have like a, a big-name coach. The players get hired on as position coaches and work their way up mm-hmm. and then break off and become their own thing, and then you just see all these basically family trees of, of uh, these different teams. So who, in your opinion, what, what's your top three coaching trees? Okay. Um, I struggled with this. <clears throat> so there's there's a couple of easy ones. Bill Walsh has got to be yeah. up there. Um, Bill Parcells has got to be up there. I would say probably <laughs> Chuck Knoll or Tom Landry is there. But it's so hard because it's like, like Bill Walsh, for example, you've got him and Mike Holmgren was under him. So at what point do you consider Mike Holmgren as one of the guys that have a tree, right? Right. right. So I had a hard time separating that because like for crying, Mike Holmgren had an absolute incredible run of coaches that yeah. have had phenomenal careers. Yeah. Right. So do you give that credit to what Bill Walsh and where did Bill Walsh come from? Does, does his credit go to someone else? So I had a hard time with that, Matt. But for some uh, reason, I believe I, I'm not 100% sure on this, but for some reason, I thought that Bill Walsh actually came from, he came from Paul Brown. Oh. As a young offensive coordinator. So again, and Paul Brown has quite a, a history. So we, I still don't have this nailed down as far as like, when does a, a, a tree start? 
who right. is the who is the person that you put at the, the head of that tree? I think a lot of it has to do with when success is found, like when do they break out, as well as almost like eras. A player back in the 60s, if you look at their tree, it may very well could be all the way to the 80s, right? Like it, like influence-wise. So for me, Mike Holmgren is his own tree. Hmm. Uh, so I had Mike Holmgren, Bill Parcells, and uh, Marty Schottenheimer as my three. But for me, Mike Holmgren, if you go back and look, his tree is crazy. Especially, yeah. okay, let's talk modern. So it's, just before we get into yeah. that, though, uh, Bill Walsh actually was the OC in San Diego. But where, so, I think he started out in... He had, oh, actually, no, you know what, in... Uh, from 1977 to 78, he was head coach in Stanford. 76, he was the OC in San Diego. Cincinnati Bengals, he was yeah, Paul assistant Brown was the coach, coach of, 68 uh, to 75. Yeah, so Paul Brown left the Browns and, went and, to started, the, and started the Cincinnati Bengals. <coughs> so Cincinnati, that's where. Yeah, so again, does that mean he's under Paul Brown? Yeah, so no, I know. Um so for, for Mike Holmgren, his tree, and, and you could even argue, well, is this Andy Reid's tree? But the reason why I have it as Mike Holmgren is, is, is a couple of reasons. But you have Andy Reid, and then under the Andy Reid hire, you have Pat Shermer, former coach of the uh, Vikings and the Giants, John Harbaugh, Sean McDermott, coach of the Bills, Ron Rivera, Steve Wilkes, who was um, the coach of the Arizona Cardinals at one point. Doug Peterson, Frank Wright, both two quarterbacks for the Packers. Or no, uh, Reich was a uh, quarterback of the Bills, but Peterson was a quarterback on the um, the Packers. Matt Nagy, who's a coach uh, still in the NFL. John Gruden, John's brother, uh, Jay. Jay Gruden, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, um, all those guys fall underneath Mike Holmgren, which is, that's crazy to me that he has had that much of an influence. And I mean, he's yeah. a Hall of Fame coach. Yeah. But, um, and especially like when he went to the Packers, they expected nothing from him. They were a losing organization and he made them into what they are. So, so here's a, a thought that I've been <clears throat> kind of, you know, pondering. Over the last little while as we were preparing for this episode. Yeah. What what makes a coach successful? <clears throat> what is it about a coach that some guys You're talking head coach. Yeah. Like what is it about a head coach that some guys like Holmgren, yeah. um, Andy Reid can absolutely have this tremendous effect and have, you know, produce, let's I'll call it other coaches. Yeah. Whereas someone like Bill Belichick, one of the greatest coaches, probably the greatest coaches of all time, yeah, just can't seem to really do that. So what is it about a coach? Like, what makes that happen? So there's a, there's a couple of things when you define what a, a um, success of a coach. So number one is wins, Super Bowls, or winning percentage or anything like that. But another thing is you look at these, these trees and the branches of them and how successful the coaches that worked under them were. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're a successful head coach, your 
uh, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, all those kind of guys will get head coaching opportunities. Yep. Especially if you're like if you're a winning coach, that's just going to happen. Uh, but I think that somebody like Bill, um, sorry, Bill Belichick is a perfect example of like those coaches go somewhere else and they, none of them are successful, right? They may be for a little bit, um, but they're overall they haven't been. One of my uh, one of the things for me is that a coach not, not, needs to be able to lead. They need to be. They're the CEO of the business, right? Mm-hmm. Like of the of the team. So they need to be able to lead, motivate the the players, but they also need to be humble and let the people who are under them do their job. And there's a I think a lot of head coaches are control freaks. Yep. And they don't let the players underneath them be able to grow, have input, learn how to be um, coaches, and they just control everything. So then when they go to another team. It turns out like that that coach didn't do everything. Right. Like it's it was always Belichick, right? I just think that that because it, it, it they go to other teams and they seem lost. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. Uh. Who is what's his name? The um. Matt Patricia. Patricia. Yeah. Was completely lost. Even. Um, Joe Judge. All, like all those guys. Yeah. You the, know the one guy that I thought actually showed real good promise was Brian Flores. Yes. He seemed to go in and he kind of hit the ground running with the Dolphins. But, you know, I don't know if it's a disagreement with the ownership, but the wheels kind of fell off at, at one point, at some point there. But, yeah, like McDaniels has not been great. He hasn't had a great track record. Um, I didn't realize that Brian Dable kind of mm. came under the, the Belichick tree. But so he so far he's done okay, yeah. done well. I think that the um, when you look at what makes a good head coach, though, it's very different than what makes a good defensive or offensive yeah. coordinator. Because there are some out there, like Josh McDaniels is a good example. I think he's a. I just think he's a terrible head coach. Yeah. I just don't think he's a, he's got the mind to be able to run an offense. Right. But he doesn't have the mind to be able to run a team. And I think there are there are players. That uh, one of the best examples for me is Wade Phillips. Mm-hmm. He has been the head. He was the head coach of the Bills. I think the Texans. There's been a couple of teams that he da- has head coach, been Dallas. the head coach of Dallas, and hasn't really had the success. But everywhere he goes as the defensive coordinator, that team's a top five defense. Yeah. So I, if they stay in their lane, and I just not everybody is made to be a head coach. No. So no, I, I agree, and I, and I think when I was kind of kind of pondering this question. You know, I, I look at Andy Reid, and I think he's a guy that's comfortable in his own skin, yeah. right? So he's he doesn't he doesn't feel to me he doesn't feel threatened by a, a young coordinator's success coming up. Yeah, he's just like, okay, great, good job. Whereas I think someone like Bill Belichick is kind of threatened by I that, agree. and he's more like he kind of keeps everything to himself a little bit more because yeah, it's almost like job security, <clears throat> right? Yeah, hundred percent. So. I, I, where, like, I think Andy Reid is just like, I'm going to do what I do, and if you learn from it, great. Then, you know, I'll help you when I can. And if you, get, if you go somewhere else and be a head coach, great. Good job. It would be an argument. Everybody will say that Belichick is the greatest of all time. But I think part of that is he was with one uh, quarterback 
Yeah, for the for his entire basically his entire successful career. Because when he yeah, you remember back, going back to the Browns, uh, he had one season that I think it was before they had a strike. He had one season where I think he he was over five hundred, and they were pretty good that year. And then uh, he eventually got fired, and you know this and the other thing goes goes to the the uh, Patriots. They weren't amazing right away, but you know he had Brady. So how much of his success was Brady? I, it's, I think it's kind of a a fifty fifty thing. You can't win if you don't have a good quarterback. No, but you look at you look at Andy Reid. Is Andy Reid going to go down as one of the greatest? Um, Coaches 100%. of all time. Hundred percent. He took the. He had Donovan. Donovan McNabb took the. They went to one Super Bowl. They lost, but he went to I believe four straight NFC championships. He's done the exact same thing in Kansas City. Yeah. Um, and he did it with uh, Mahomes, but he also did it with Alex Smith. Yeah. So to me, he just seems. And and again, his tree is unbelievable. The success right. that his tree has had. He's an amazing head coach, and he does everything that you want. Uh, he's humble. Um, he puts his his even even at the Super Bowl. You know, his big thing was, oh, I didn't win another one. He was putting all his coaches up. He was, you know, it, yeah. it's Mahomes, it's it's um, the enemy, it's all the like, and he allows them. I really think he allows them uh, to be able to do their job. Yep. His his defensive coordinator, Spagnola. Spagnola. <clears throat> If you ever watch the, the games he calls, he can call. He's got balls, man. Like, he will do a, a zero blitz yeah. at a time where you're like, what is happening right now? And he will blitz everybody, and, and it's one-on-one -on -one coverage the entire thing. And he might get burned every now and then, but he allows him. He doesn't play safe. Right. And he allows him to play the way that he wants to. And uh, another guy, and, uh, another example, and I'm not talking trees, but a guy that I would run through a brick wall at, for. Um, is a guy like Mike Tomlin. Oh yeah, he he's defensive coordinator. Used to be for the Vikings. Yeah. Comes to the comes to Pittsburgh, and you would never even know what thing he coached. Right, he coaches men. Like yeah. he and guys love him. And yeah, he, and he doesn't talk down to people. He is now there. Maybe uh, he had to deal with the whole Antonio Brown. He had to deal with but, Ben Roethlisberger. You'd never know there were issues. Right, he never openly talks badly about anybody. He's yeah. always positive. And if there's any issues, it's on me. It's on, you know, it's on. Yeah. So he's a guy. And Har um, Harbaugh's very similar to that, yes. too. John yes. Harbaugh. Yeah. Um, for the Ravens is very similar to that as well. Yeah, I think, you know, just kind of capping off the. Andy and just one thing. thing before we go on. But to. To. <clears throat> to uh, you know, you got a guy like like Mike Tomlin. And the opposite to me is a guy like M McCarthy. Oh, as yeah. a Packer fan, I hated him as a coach. Yeah. Now that he's in Dallas, he makes excuses for everything. It'll right. be oh, it was that guy's fault. It was this guy's fault. We the timer thing was wrong. Yeah. Like I, I, we didn't have the players for. It. Like he, this is why I just I think he's a terrible coach. Yeah, he there there isn't a single guy there I think that respects him. Yeah, you know I I think the big thing is Matt is that do you empower the people that work with you and underneath you? Yeah to be as great or greater than you are. Right. I think Andy Reid does that. I agree. Um, I think Mike Holmgren did that. Yeah. Bill Parcells did that. And that's not a trait that everybody has. Tony Dungy. Tony's another guy, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But that's, I think that's a gift. And I think McVeigh has that. 
um, as one of the younger yes. kind of coaches, you know, this generation, I think he's going to be the next guy that we, we look back on and say, you know, he's got a tremendous coaching tree. Yes. Um, and for such a young guy. I mean, right. I, he's not even, is he even 40? No, I think he's like 34, <clears throat> 35 years old. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a trait, it's an ability that not a whole lot of people have. And I think it just determines your success going yeah. forward. Well, it always worries me when you have um, a coach come in. I, another guy that I love is Sean McDermott. He's, in, he's another, he just has that it mm-hmm. factor. But when you have a coach come in and they're like, oh, they're a defensive specialist. Um, Rex Ryan, perfect example. Yeah. Don't think he's a great head coach, great defensive coordinator, but I don't think he's a great head coach. Um, when you have a guy who their bread and butter has been made on being this guru of this of this one side of the ball. Yeah. It always kind of worries me because it's like, is the other side going to get forgotten about? Well, what's like, that guy from um, the Jets? Um, Gase. Yes. Adam Gase. He was, at, at one point, he was the quarterback whisperer, right? He yes. was Peyton Manning's kind of like go-to and everybody was, there's so much hype about Adam Gase. You know, he's, he's, the, he's the man. He's the next guy. And he was Awful as yeah. a head coach, just awful as a head coach. But by the end, nobody respected him either, right? Right. So, I think I think there's um, there's something to be said about that. It's it's not just being good at being a play caller, right? I think the especially for a head coach is being able to not only lead the the men who who play for you, yeah, but it's also being able to motivate the coaches and being able to see the talent in the coaches. I think McVeigh is one of those guys who can see. That guy's got talent. I'm going to bring him in. He may be a receivers coach, or he may be, um, you know, whatever, uh, a tight end coach or whatever. But eventually, um, he'll work his way up. Uh, the 49ers have done a good job with that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had guys come up uh, through the ranks, uh, players. Um, Salah for the uh, the Jets, yep. I think, has done a good job being a coach there. We'll see how it goes long term. He's a defensive specialist. <laughs> but um, they've done a good job of of building those those players up, and it's like when one guy leaves because it's a big thing too. You have success, right? A guy leaves, you've got to be able to build up the next guy coming up and have that vision for long term. Andy Reid, I think, is great for that. It's going to be really interesting to see how it goes. Uh, have they named the new offense coordinator in Kansas City yet? Uh, they did. Um, I think it's Nagy. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, a guy who did was, well, he my was opinion, the OC before, before he went to Chicago. Yes, he was. Yeah. He was a terrible coach in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, I had many players, but, but you know what? Here's a, here's a question for you though. So is it, is it a combination of ownership and the coaching that causes that to happen? Or is oh, it? Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Cause I don't know if, I don't know if Nagy, I would say he's a bad coach. I think that ownership in Chicago was just awful. But he's another guy, though. He reminded me a lot of like, well, Hackett reminded me a lot of him. There's there's certain coaches that just seem like they are just in over their head. Yeah, and if you watched him, got that with Nagy though. Yeah, if. I, and I only because I watched a lot of Bears games because I'm a Packer fan, but right. I also had a lot of players on um, the the Bears teams in my fantasy league, so I watched Bears games. It would be just like you have 
talented players mm-hmm. and and yet he would never the game plans were just way all over the place like it'd be you know they'd have no running game it, i remember there was one game where they were up by like 14 and there was four minutes left and he's passing the ball it's like just run the ball right run the ball and they lost that game yeah. and it's just like it's stuff like that i just felt like he was in over his head and he was calling the plays for the bears too that's another thing is his head coaches calling the plays and, and having that control over it. It's like, can they do both at the same time? Uh, I haven't seen a lot yeah. of success. Uh, I think probably Sean Payton is, is, has been the best at that. Mm-hmm. But then again, he had a hall of fame quarterback who could help with that. It's not like you have right. a young guy coming in and doing that. Right. But again, so, it, it speaks to the, do you empower the people around right. you? Right. Cause not, you can't do it on your own. You need a great team supporting cast around right. you. And, do you and can you empower them to to do their job? Yeah, and be okay with it, right? And so, anyways, so, so the, the the thing too with with coaches every every year end of the season firings happen. Whatever. Yeah, at least eight. Oh yeah, it's it's like you just see them as lining up against the wall and who's gonna yeah. be the first to go and 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 what's gonna happen with that. So. Where do you get new coaches from? Well, you know you've got guys who are there's plans. You know they might be. Um, so I remember when, um, who was the coach in Dallas when Garrett was there and then he got fired and Garrett came up. Wade Phillips. Was it Wade Phillips? Yeah. So the day, from day one, they wanted Garrett in there. He was the darling of, yeah. of that team. So they always seem to have this, you know, hotshot, you know, coordinator that they have planned to come in if they need to. But there's also this, this, um, there's this, idea that you can get the next Sean McVay, this next young guy to come in. And, you know, they're always looking at college teams now. Yeah. And it's been very hit or miss whether or not a player or a coach can come in from college and have that same success in the NFL. Uh, I remember there was a lot of talk about, um, uh, what's his name? The coach for Oklahoma. Is it O'Reilly? Lincoln Riley. Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. Um, coming into the NFL and he was going to, after having three straight, you know, Heisman quarterbacks or something like that, he was going to be the guy and and he never did. I'm really glad he didn't because I think he would have been a disaster, but um, you've got these, these coaches in, in college coming into the, to the NFL and they've not had a lot of success. Mm -hmm. So what is it about the college game that is different from the NFL and why can't they translate Maybe as a coordinator, they might be able to, but as a head coach, it's very rarely um, yeah. done well. So why is that? I think the biggest thing, Matt, is you're going, and, and actually Deion Sanders um, spoke to this. Yes. And because they asked him, so is the next step for you, the NFL? And, he's, <laughs> and he, he's like, no, no way. Yeah. I have no desire to coach millionaires and, you know, guys that don't, they're not hungry anymore. Right. Right. So I think the the, it, the big thing is, is that in college football, you got kids that are hungry, that are looking to go to that next level. And there's kids from backgrounds of, you know, really poor backgrounds that this is their ticket. This yeah. is their only way out. Yeah. So there is motivation there, like insane motivation there. Yeah. And you're talking about college kids. They're very impressionable. Yes. Something happens. Something switches. The moment you become a millionaire, all of a sudden you stop listening to 
the people that are around you. You stop, stop working. You stop, stop working. You, yeah. that, that, all of a sudden, now, now I've got a $40 million contract. Okay, well, I've, I've made it. Well, there's a reason right? why in the NFL you got players who, um, when, especially <clears throat> we're talking, like, say, in Dynasty uh, fantasy football. Yeah. They say, oh, it's a contract year. Oh, well, he's going to do well this year. Yeah. yeah. Motivation's a big thing. Yeah. You know? and, and I think there are, there are certain coaches that get that. And they they gear themselves to college. Nick Saban's a perfect example of that, yeah. right? He just couldn't, for whatever reason, couldn't do it in the NFL. Yeah. But he's probably the all-time greatest college head coach ever. Yeah. So, you know, there's just it's just it's just different mentality of 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 players. And I think it's a different uh, okay, so in college, there's like a hundred and some odd teams, right? In in NCAA, different levels. Uh, but there, when you're the coach of uh, Alabama, uh, Georgia, Clemson, you can just go somewhere and be like, "I want that guy, I want that guy, and I want that guy," and right. then you get them. It's one of the reasons why Nick Saban's pissed off about the NILs. Yeah, is because now a team like. Uh, I don't know, a smaller team, um, Carolina Coastal, I don't know, mm-hmm. can go to a kid and say, you come, you come play for us, we'll, and then they get some kind of NIL contract and it motivates them, and, which is, you know, that's a whole other topic. But there, you, it's, it's, it's a completely unlevel playing field, yep. right? And you, you have teams like Georgia this year was an NFL team. Yeah. That they're going to have, I think last year they had like 12 teams or 12 players drafted. They're going to have just as many this year. And then they're going against, you know, some uh, Tennessee uh, uh, or Chattanooga 40, yeah. or 69 or whatever, 49ers or whatever they're called. Like, they're going to blow the doors off them. Like, how good a coach do you have to be to win those games, right? Yeah. So it's a completely different game. It's, it's, it's you're, you're dealing with um, getting uh, – Kids that are, are coming going, okay, well, you want to play in the NFL? You go to, you go to Georgia, you go to Alabama. Um, so it's, it's, and it, it's just different. And it, and you also have to deal with in college, you're dealing with guys that are super motivated, mm-hmm. right? In the NFL, you're dealing with egos. Yes. You're dealing with egos because these guys have now, have now made it. They've got way more money than oftentimes more, way more money than the coaches. Yeah. And they've got egos. Yeah. Can you keep those egos in check? Can you still make it, you know, you still have to be a leader of men. By the time, really, these guys, most of them reach the NFL. They are men. They're not boys. Yeah. Right? So not everybody can do that. And which which is interesting because when you think about, okay, so how many coaches have been successful? College coaches. From, from, from coming from college to the NFL. Funny you ask that, Mike. I did a little bit of research. Oh, look, look and at got you. my, I don't know how many of these are, but like the best and worst. Mm-hmm. The worst is way worse than the best. Yeah. Yeah. There so are some. some of the best college coaches to make it into the NFL. Tom Coughlin from the Giants won two Super Bowls. Pete Carroll used to be, I mean, we all remember him on, on USC. Um <laughs> The interesting with interesting thing with uh, Carroll, he was the coach of the, um, the Patriots, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and the and Jets. Jets, and left and went to um, USC. Uh, 
gotten a little, he left just before they got in a bunch of trouble for like basically right. buying players. Jimmy Johnson was the coach for the Miami uh, Hurricanes, which is probably one of the, if not the best teams. If you ever oh, want to look at a, 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 a team that has that team was. Hall of Famers, it yeah. is ridiculous. Um, so him, Bobby Ross took the um, the Chargers to a Super Bowl. They got their their doors blown off, but he took them to a Super Bowl. Jim Mora and Jim Harbaugh, who played in the NFL, went to Stanford, mm-hmm. then came from the 49ers, then left, and now is in, in um, Michigan. But the worst ones, oh, my gosh, it's fun. You got <laughs> Nick Saban, Hall of Fame college coach. Bobby Petrino, who was for Louisville, was a coach at the time, came to Atlanta. I think he lasted like two weeks before he quit, didn't he? It wasn't even, yeah, it was, like, it was, it was right before the season started. And he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Matt Rule, who just was the coach for um, Carolina. Um, Greg Sheriano, who was a coach for Rutgers and then came and coached. This is a surprise hire um, to Tampa Bay, and Mm -hmm. it was a disaster. He got fired. Steve Spurrier, again, another Hall of Fame college coach, uh, was the coach for uh, Florida, and they won some national championships, and he came to Washington and and totally flamed out. Uh, Chip Kelly, who was a disaster in um, Philly, uh, and then the the newest one, which was a, a, just a nightmare from day one, and I think he may be the motivation why, at least for a while, until mm-hmm. people kind of forget, um, the reason why coaches are not hired from college ranks is is Urban Meyer. He was so bad, and yeah, he tried to pull that, that <clears throat> motivational style from college yeah. into the NFL, and it did not work. He was no. screaming at people, and you know it was it was just from all things I've read was a nightmare from day one. Yeah, and he had an ego on him. Yes. Uh, so yeah, those those are some. You can even look at that list, and you can look at a guy like Tom Coughlin, Pete Carroll, uh, Jim Harbaugh. They seem like guys that aren't going to like put everybody down. I'm the coach. This is my thing. And uh, maybe maybe Tom Coughlin did that a little bit, but mm-hmm. when when uh, he was for the Giants, I heard he really calmed down. But Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, Chip Kelly seemed like guys who were just like, it's my way, they're higher, you're out. Right. And, and, I mean, Chip Kelly did that. He got rid of like, Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. He got uh, um, uh, Shady McCoy in his, in his prime. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I think if you look at <clears throat> guys like Carroll – is a good example for me. It seems like he's great with young players or players that haven't necessarily been proven in the NFL. But as soon as like probably like three, four, maybe five years in yeah, veterans kind of start tuning him out. Right. We saw that with the guys from Legion of Boom. Yeah. We saw that with Russ. He's very much a raw-raw guy, though. Yeah, right? so. yeah. so I think it's, <clears throat> you know, the stories get recycled, right? Mm-hmm. It, it probably, you probably get to a point where, okay, I've heard this speech from Pete before, like, you know, three times already, like, whatever. Um, whereas with the with the younger kids, it's like it's, it's just fresh, right? So, <clears throat> and what, what I've always kind of thought was really interesting with Pete was he's so high energy. Yeah. He is for for a guy in his seventies. He is super high energy, hundred percent. And I think younger players feed off of that. Yeah, right. 
But. So with these head coaches then, do you think that long-term, that the head coach make the, the is it, how am I going to say this? Do the coordinators that they hire make the head coach or does the head coach make the coordinators? Like who makes who better? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. I think that's similar to the, you know, the Brady and Belichick, which who is what what was the success? What was the reason for the success of the Patriots? Was it Brady or Belichick? Yeah. I think it's the same thing. Um, they kind of go in hand in hand. Yeah, right? they do. You listen as 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 a head coach, you definitely definitely need good good coordinators and good coaching staff around you to be yeah. successful. No doubt in my mind. Having said that, <laughs> if you're a good coordinator but don't have a good leader, yeah, as, you know, a good teacher to learn from, that is, you're not really going to go very far either, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I think it's it's kind of goes hand in hand. I, I don't know if you can say, oh, we, you know, coaching is more, you know, head coach is more important than a coordinator or whatever. I think it kind of goes hand in hand. I don't know if there's any. Um, one is better than the other, in my mind. Yeah, I, I agree. So, it, if you were a player these days, mm-hmm. is there a coach you'd want to play for? Andy Reid, hundred percent, hundred percent. That was that like, like no doubt in my mind. Yeah, um, I would I, hate playing for Belichick. I think Andy Reid, uh, Sean McDermott, is a guy um, I really respect. I, yeah. I could I could see wanting to play for him. Um, but yeah, Andy Reid, that style of, yeah. of coaching. I for think. me, the top three would be Andy Reid, Mike Tomlin, Mike and John Tomlin. Harbaugh. Yeah. Um, I think those three guys are great communicators. They're great leaders. And they empower the people that are around them. And part of it, too, though, is in, in those situations is ownership. Oh, yes. Because you're going to have down years. And when you have a, a – like I think Pittsburgh has only had – Four coaches or yeah. something like that. Some yeah, crazy number. Yeah. yeah. And, well, yeah, they had Noel. They may have had some other ones, but they had Noel. Then they had um, Cower. Then they had Tomlin. Tomlin. So, like, it's not like there's been a bunch of turnover. Yeah. So to have ownership believe in who they have put in power and allow them to coach is a big thing, too. Like, this is why I would hate to, to be a coach in, like, Washington, Dallas. Yeah. As it's It's amazing. You're in Dallas. But, like... I would hate to have the coach breathing down my neck because you know that they're telling you, you oh. have to start that quarterback. You have to start that receiver. And you're like, he's not ready. Yeah. You have to, call, you know, like, Oh, for sure. Yeah. The, the meddling owner, the ownership group is absolutely key yeah. to the, any success of an organization. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's coincidence that the Dallas Cowboys haven't been relevant or I shouldn't say that they, they're always relevant, but they haven't been winning for the last, 20 some odd years. Yeah. And it's, you know, as great as owner as Jerry Jones can be and has been the manager, like he's, he's also the GM and that's just, he, he just meddles way too much. Yeah. And well, they had to bring a son in to basically right. tell him to back off. Yeah. So is there, is there a, a, uh, a current player or former player that you think would make a great head coach? Oh, that's a good question. <clears throat> that's a really good one. I actually think Drew Brees would be a good coach. He's on my list. I think Brees would be a really good coach. Yeah. Um, I don't think Peyton Manning would be. Um, I wouldn't put Peyton that. I think 
Peyton's I think Peyton Manning brilliant. would be a great offensive coordinator. I think he's brilliant. Yeah. But I just, I wouldn't put him in the same. I think Breeze has that leadership. Yeah. That I don't know what, I don't even know how to describe it, but there's a certain leadership quality that I think Breeze has. Yeah. That, that guys can, you know, gravitate to and, and, and run through the walls with. Yeah. Or a four. I have, I have a couple guys on my list. I don't know if it's necessarily um, head coach, but like offensive defensive coordinator okay. or head coach. So I have Peyton Manning uh, or Brady as I think Brady would be a good head coach. See, I, I don't. I, th- I, I, think, I think it would be. I think there, there's enough guys I, I that think, respect him. I think there's, I think Brady would be the, like the Michael Jordan, you know, Michael Jordan tried it. <clears throat> Magic Johnson tried it. I think they're just, their expectation would be way too high. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, 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 I think that, especially with Brady, that I just think as a head coach, he would be able to, he, he comes, he comes with the resume. So, yeah. Um, another guy, Frank Gore. Oh, I okay. thought it would be yes. a good one, uh, maybe as a, as an offensive coordinator, but he's just a guy that I just think would be. You want a, a guy who, who you know you could run through a wall for? Nah, he'd be a guy. Yep. JJ um, Watt, I think would be one. Uh, again, just from his personality, I don't know if he has any you know want to be a defensive coordinator or coach, but Jason Witten, hmm. I thought would be a good one. Okay. Um, Ray Lewis. I think would be a pretty darn good defensive coordinator. Again, I don't know if he'd be a good head coach, but yeah. I just love that guy, man. Like he's just seems like the type that would, but it may be a little bit too much like raw, raw <clears throat> kind of guy. As far as <clears throat> being a leader of men, he's <clears throat> on the short list for me yeah. as a guy on, you know, an, an NFL guy Yeah, that I would put on the, you know, like that is, he's on the Mount Rushmore for me of, you know, leaders of men among NFL players. Yeah. I do have his, two other guys. His speeches are just insane. Well, I know. Well, that's, but that's where I'm like, I don't know if to be a head coach. Cause he's a raw rock. He reminds me a lot of Mike Singletary. Yeah. Who it worked for a period of time in San Francisco, <clears throat> but then eventually kind of that, that raw, raw thing kind of died off. So. Yeah. Uh, but two guys that I think would be great head coaches. Um, is do you remember the backup um, QB McCowan? What was his name? Josh McCowan. Josh McCowan. Yeah, I think he'd be a phenomenal head coach. Yeah. And the other guy is Ryan Fitzpatrick. The two of them. Yeah. There's something about backup quarterbacks. I've seen there's a humbleness with them. Yeah, I've seen um, <clears throat> I've seen Josh break down film of a number of yeah. guys, especially in this year's combine. And the way that he breaks things down and the way that he explains it, even I can get and understand it. Yeah. So he does, you're right. I think he has that, it, certain, you know, way of communicating. Yeah. That I think he probably, you're right. I think probably would be a really, really good guy. I mean, you look at Frank Wright, you look at Doug Peterson. Um, one thing with a coach too, depending on uh, what team you're on, if you've got a young quarterback, you need to have a guy who can talk to them in a way yep. that makes them feel comfortable and understand the game better. And backup <clears throat> quarterbacks, that's their job. They make the head, the, the the starting quarterback better. Right. And they, I mean, McCowan was, 
he would always be the guy who would help the young guys coming up. They do, yeah. The ego's not there because they're not the starting guy, right? Where you're like, this right. isn't my job. How, how often do you hear the quarterback one? It's not my job to make them better. It, it is, but yeah. you just don't want to do it. And those two guys, um, especially with Fitzpatrick being a guy who like was a, was a quality starter at times, but he really was a backup quarterback. Right. Um, and he just, he has the guts to try stuff. I, he'd be the kind of guy that, He's like an Andy Reid type. He's like, or or a, um, uh, what's his name? The guy, um, <laughs> blanking on what his name is. The coach uh, for the New Orleans Saints. Oh, Peyton. Peyton. Would just out of nowhere pull a, or do an onside kick at any time or whatever, right? So those two guys I think it, would be great. There's one other name that just popped in my head. Trent Dilfer. I think he, he did coach. Uh, he was in he was high in, school or something, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. And he's actually gone. I think he's in the in the college ranks now. I think. Yeah, but that's there's that's another guy for me. Communication is huge. Yeah. So how you break down film, how you communicate to people and players is huge, and he's really really good at it. Yeah, I've heard him talk a number of times, and he's really really good at that. Yeah. So for me, I probably would put him as one of the one of the guys in that list too. It'd be interesting to see if any of these guys eventually um, move into that. Uh, there's just a lot of stress. If you look at pictures oh, of, yeah. of Andrew Reid when he was younger to where he is now, um, or Mike Holmgren or any of those guys when they first start out, it's like being a president of the United States. <clears throat> they look like they're going to die after a certain period of time. Right. That it, you don't age well, and uh, it's so stressful on your body. Um, well, uh, you've got pressure from... Ownership, <clears throat> you've got pressure from players. Yeah, you got pressure from the media, and then most of these guys have families. Yeah, so they're trying to juggle all of those things all at the same time. Yeah, and you've got people criticizing your every move and analyzing your every move and decision. So that's not an easy thing to well. To and there's with. there's an understanding that if you're a head coach of a team too, you are that twenty four seven. Right. Like I've heard stories of these guys. They come in at you know, four in the morning and they're, and they're already starting work, right? Yeah. They, or they sleep there. So it's not really a great job for a family man. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough position. NFL coaching is a very tough position. There's only, that's, there's only 32 jobs, right? right. There's a reason for that. Yeah. So but this was an interesting, it was a really interesting. Yeah, this is great. A great a episode. topic to, to kind of dive into and kind of learn a little bit more. I, I certainly have learned more about it as we're doing some research on this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was kind of an interesting topic. Yeah, it was a great episode. So we're looking forward to uh, to next episode four. We got uh, we're talking about the combine. Yeah, so I'm excited episode. about that one. Yeah, really so, excited about that. One. Thank you uh, to our listeners for uh, joining us today, and uh, we look forward to the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Huddle McFumble podcast. Be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple, or any of the other major platforms. To learn more about us, visit our website at huddlemcfumble.com and join the conversation by following us on Twitter or Instagram. The Huddle McFumble podcast is an original Sharp production in partnership with Nedjati International. This podcast is not to be reproduced or rebroadcast without express written permission.